Aren't you happy about that this evening? Greetings in the precious name of our Lord and Savior. We're happy to be with you tonight. I saw Brother uh, James, Sister Kathy's back home. It's good to have them back. Good to have Brother Joe. He's wore out. Y'all make sure you don't fall asleep. He's behind me now. I know how it is on those trips. and We appreciate them pushing out. Brother George, his wife, we appreciate seeing you all. It's good to be in the house of the Lord together. Appreciate God and all that he is to us. Appreciate his word. So if we just open our Bibles, we'll just take a thought tonight and just ask the Spirit of the Lord to be our portion. 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll read 6 and 7, and then we'll go to Job chapter 23. Everyone love the Lord. First Peter chapter 1 verse 6. Say amen when you're there. Amen. Wherein you greatly rejoice. Let me just switch. Bless the Lord. Everybody hear me okay? Yes. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial or the testing of your faith, being more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Amen. Job chapter 23, verse 8. Job 23, verse 8. Everybody there? Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. I want to preach the trial of faith is more precious than gold. Let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, these words that were penned even thousands of years ago was the inspiration of the Almighty. It was the Holy Spirit that penned these things, Lord, so we could draw comfort and strength and faith and courage and revelation and understanding from the things that have, the men that have gone before us. There are examples, and we thank you for examples, Lord. We thank you how you've equipped us in this age with everything that we need to defeat the devil on his ground. We pray, Father, as we assemble ourselves together in faith tonight that we wouldn't come in vain, but, Lord, we would come in faith, joining every lick of fire, Lord, together, and may the glory of God and the fullness of his presence be among us. We pray that you strengthen us, teach our fingers to fight and our hands to war. We love you. We commit ourselves to you and yield ourselves to you. Have preeminence, Lord. You're the great one among us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can have your seats. Thank you, Brother Joe. As we just read out of the book of Job, I would like to take him maybe just to start building the thought tonight. As Job was in the Bible, he was noted for his patience and his endurance, 
He was noted for holding out in opposition. He was an example to us. And no doubt if you've ever been through a trial, you go to a couple books. You'll go to the book of Psalms to draw strength, or you'll go to the book of Job. How the book of Job administered to the saints throughout the years. And Job, you know, we'll just talk about him for a minute. God was not dealing with a sinner. God was dealing with a saint when he was working with Job. Job scraping his boils, Job coming to such trials, but yet his faith held out in the middle of the trial. See, God was proving that there are mortals upon the earth that will stand for truth despite the opposition, despite the trials, that in the face of conflict, that God will have people that will stand on his word no matter how bad it gets, even if they don't understand the trials that they're going through, God was proving to the devil that he has people that love him through the trial, through the fire, through the floods. God has a people that believe him. It was actually God showing the devil the confidence that he had in Job. He actually was the one that challenged the devil to put it on him. He said, have you considered my servant Job? He's perfect in all of his ways. He's a chip off the old block. He carries himself right. He lives right. He walks right. Have you considered him? He'll be a good one to throw your trials on. And the devil was upset with Job. He said, you know, you give him everything that he wants. You bless him coming in and you bless him going out. And, you know, you baby him, you pamper him. That's the only white reason that he serves you. You give him to me, he'll curse you to your face. But, you know, God had confidence in Job. God said, you can go ahead, hit him with everything you got. Just don't take his life. See, God knew that Job was going to overcome. See, God put something in Job to make him overcome. How many say, Lord, drop something down in my heart tonight? See, Satan tried when he tempted him. He turned his wife against him. He turned his friends against him. He took his children, his asses, his camels. He stripped him. He put boils on him from head to toe. He was The devil, Brother Branham said, was trying to make Job think that God was doing it. Think about it. He wanted Job to think that God had forsaken him. God, that's why his, his comforter said, oh, there's sin in your life. There's sin in your life and you're a secret sinner and God is angry with you. God has cut you off. No doubt the devil in his mind was just working him over. His own wife said, curse God and die. The devil was trying to make Job think that it was God that was doing this to him. And Brother Branham said if he would have believed that, he would have been defeated. And the same with our trials. If the devil can get you to think that God hates you and God is against you, as soon as you get to thinking in that channel, you are whipped. But God was actually proving the material that he put in Job. That Job wouldn't bow, Job wouldn't break, Job wouldn't curse. See, where your heart is, there are your treasures. And God will try us to see whether our heart is on the world or on the word of God. Do you love the Lord? See, Job was a believer in his trials. It's easy to be a believer when things are going good, but when things are going bad, that's what proves whether you have gold or not. 
It's in the crisis that great pulsations of faith begin to move. It's in times of trouble that faith begins to rise. When he was at his end, when, when he was facing death, when he lost everything, it was at that point when he was on the ash heap Ash heap, the revelation comes. I know my Redeemer lives. It wasn't in the blessing that he received that revelation. It wasn't in the abundance that he received that revelation. But when God stripped him, when God put him on the ash heap, when God took everything away from him, and when he prayed, God did not answer. God was putting him in a place to receive a revelation. And that revelation was more precious than gold. You know, sometimes we can hope we're going to make a rapture, hope that we're going to get healed. But when he was put on the ash heap, his hopes were turned to, I know my Redeemer liveth. Sometimes our trials drive us to a place that God can actually speak to us. And turn our questions into, I know my Redeemer lives. Can I preach tonight? That's why he said, when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. What a statement from Job. See, gold is not afraid of the fire. Real gold has nothing to fear in the flames. Fool's gold has something to fear. But real gold has nothing to worry about. And God sends us through the fire not to destroy us, but to prove what we are. To prove that our heart is pure. To prove that our heart is full of faith. God sends the trials to prove to the devil and to the world, that is my child. He's the seed of Abraham. That's the one. Have you considered my servant Job? You love the Lord. See, it's in the trials that real gold, those hearts beat pure. They don't curse God. They don't backslide. But they stand pat on the word of God and they face the trial in faith. And it's the trials, the trial of our faith is more precious than gold. And none of us like trials. None of us like to be uncomfortable. None of us like to be in, on an ash heap. But that was more precious than gold. It was more precious than his camels. More precious than his possessions. It was more precious than anything. Because God was showing he has something eternal on the inside. The Bible said consider his end was more blessed than the beginning. See, the kingdom of God does not come without trials. The Bible said that the righteous, they got to press into it by force. The kingdom of heaven is not something that is easy. And the devil knows how to tempt. He knows human beings. He knows how to strip a woman to a place to get a man to lust. He knows how to bring a whiff of whiskey to a drunkard. He knows how to tempt. He knows the temptations of women to be pretty and models and fashion. He knows the young people how to bring temptation to them. Are you with me tonight? Many a times people are like, I'm a Christian. I'm trying to serve God. and I'm tempted in my mind, uh, tempted in my spirit, uh, and I just feel like dirt. Why am I being tempted if I'm not serpent seed? 
but you realize the very purpose that you are on earth is to be tempted? Brother Brenham said, we bypassed our theophanies to be tempted. It's exactly why we're tempted and tried. That's why we're here. This is the testing grounds. Anybody with me tonight? Many times we look and we don't have answers to trials. You know, bad things happen to good people. Sometimes I've seen funerals where horrible things take place and the preacher don't know what to say. You don't have the answer. You don't have the answer. Bad things happen to good people. But these are the testing grounds. Brother Benham said, why do tests come? Why do trials come? Sometimes Christians have it worse than sinners. But there's a reason for it. Brother Branham said it will all work out for our good. All things work to the good for them that love him. He said, just make sure you love him. You ever felt like you're going to lose your mind? You ever felt like the trial was so great you'd never, it's actually more than you can bear, but you're still standing. In your trials, make sure that you love him. On your ash heap, make sure that you love him. Can you say Amen. We are here to be tested and to be tried. And all of God's children must be tested. Brother Benham said there are no exceptions. Man, woman, child, all Christians must be tested. You love him. It was just like all through the ages, through the Bible, you'll see that God actually sends trials and tribulations upon the heroes of faith. You know, so God tells Abraham, I'm going to make you a, a father of nations. Don't tell him no more. He don't tell him he'll wait 25 years. He don't tell him the ridicule and, and the mockery he's going to have to endure. But see, God wasn't worried about it. He knew there was something on the inside of Abraham that would stagger not at the promise of God. And so they go out and here comes Lot, which was a type of a lukewarm believer. And God lets a trial strike the family. And there becomes an argument over the, between the herdsmen. And, and Abraham said, you choose which direction you'll go. I'll go the opposite way. And Lot looks and sees the well-watered plains of Sodom. And so he said, you know, Brother Branham said, he looked at the easy road. And said, you know, it's watered. There's lots of grass. My cattle will do good. He said, Lot took the easy road. He said, but that is not the road for God's elect. Because Abraham stayed in the deserts in the will of God, letting God try him and test him. I'm sure that Abraham didn't have any regrets about Sarah's moodiness out in the deserts, about all the years he had to endure. I'm sure he did not complain. When he saw Elohim coming in the heat of the day and he sees God face to face, there is a blessing behind these trials. Without the ash heap, there would be no revelation. I know my Redeemer liveth. Without the trial, there would have been no meeting Elohim face to face. These trials are to bring us into communion with God. And God wants to see what we'll do. 
He wants to see how we'll act. How many knows we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death? These are the shadows of our test. These are the proving grounds. These are the trials and the tests. And God's way is a sacrificial way. God's way is not the easy road. And God permits these things to come. You love the Lord. He said he lets sickness strike you. He lets diseases come upon you to test you and to prove you and to show the world you are the seed of Abraham. He permits it by his own will. He permits disasters. He permits his friends to turn against you. He permits all these things. He turns the devil loose to tempt you. He'll do it, but he'll do everything but take your life. He'll throw you on the bed of affliction. He'll turn your neighbors against you. He'll turn your church against you. It's God's will for him to do it. And we're taught that it's more precious than gold. Can I have just a little more here, just barely, if I can get some? See, God allows trials in our lives, and our attitudes towards those trials are everything. We view trials much different than God views trials because we can only see step by step the trial that is before us. God sees the end of the road, that you'll overcome it, that you'll sit in his throne, that you'll, you'll weather every storm. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, God allows sickness to strike. And when you're prayed for, it gets worse. And he does it to see your attitude. To see if you really believe. He tries that faith. Do you love the Lord? You know, Brother Branham told the story of a boy. He was flying a kite. And the kite went up so high you couldn't even see it. He said it was beyond the clouds. Someone said, what are you doing? He said, flying the kite. They said, I don't see no kite up there. He said, it's okay. I can feel it tugging here on the other end of this string. And Brother Branham said, sometimes God hides his face from our prayers. Sometimes God hides himself from us. But faith has got a hold of God on the other side. You move those clouds back and God is smiling down on you. Faith looks beyond the clouds. Faith looks beyond the trials. Faith looks beyond the sickness. Faith looks into the unseen. Hallelujah. God, give us men. God, give us women that'll look at the promise and not at the circumstances. Job turned his face from lying vanities. He said, I'll look toward the temple. I'll look toward the mountain from whence cometh my help. We don't look at the circumstances. We don't look at the gloom or the impossibility. We look at the promise of God. Ain't that right? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. And that's the good part. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivereth. Don't you love that word? Delivereth from them all. Ain't that wonderful? God gives us the grace to endure our trials. He gives us the grace to go over the highest mountains. Did you know that Brother Branham said that a painting must go through the hall of critics before it can go to the hall of fame? 
Do you know every believer has got to go to the hall of critics? You've got to be laughed at. You've got to be looked at as crazy as an oddball. Every one of us, in order to go to the hall of fame, we have got to go to the hall of critics. Do you know this message will go to the hall of fame? But first it's got to go to the hall of critics. You've got to have people criticize the prophet, criticize the cloud, criticize the pillar of fire. That's just part of it. But it must go there before it is exalted. Hallelujah. Do you believe that? Did you know Brother Branham said the bride must go through the hall of critics before she's glorified? And Brother Branham said one day you will be glorified before your critics. That ought to make you shout. When you're changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, the outcast of the earth, the oddballs of the earth, God will lift her up and say, this is her. And he'll change you in the face of the critics and you'll be caught away. One day the critics will come before the throne of God and you'll be sitting there. Hallelujah. In the hall of fame. Hallelujah. God is not ashamed of her. They will be, I will be their God. They will be my people. Hallelujah. Keep your eyes at the end of the road. Keep looking beyond the clouds. Keep looking at the promise of God. Amen. Satan's still in the testing business. Satan wants to knock you off the path but God is now giving you an opportunity. You know, Daniel, I was preaching to the young people last weekend that Daniel purposed in his heart to walk with the word. He burnt the bridges behind him. And Brother Branham said, God will always have a witness, someone that he can put his hand on. And now God allowed the devil to tempt Daniel because God wanted to show the devil and the world that he had a witness that purposed in his heart, whether they faced the flames, whether they faced the lions, whether they faced the devil himself, they will stand upon God's word. Ain't that right? Turn with me, if you will, Revelations chapter 1. Revelations chapter 1. I just, this is one of my favorite scriptures. <clears throat> Revelations, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 8. Sorry about that. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and thy tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Now I want you to catch the thought here. As Jesus is walking in the midst of the golden candlesticks through the ages, he looks down on the second age and he begins to say, I know your poverty. I know your tribulations. I know your trials and your troubles. And Brother Branham said, isn't this strange? 
would see their trials, their troubles, but he wouldn't do anything about it. He said, isn't that strange that he would look upon their poverty and instead of heaping upon them everything they could desire, he just says, I know that you're poor. I know that you are turned out. He said, but the spirit was crying, but this is needful for you. You gladly gave up your possessions to serve me. You gladly were kicked out of the big churches and worship in the catacombs and are rejected by the world. He see, he said the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. The kingdom of God is power. Ain't that right? He said, see, the kingdom of God is not material. It's within us. He said a rich man is rich in God. That's why I said, I know your poverty, but thou art rich. See, they were depending upon the Lord. His, their security was in him. Their wealth was in him. They, their affections were on things above. Their treasures were in heaven. They were dependent upon God in all things. That's where their security was. That's where their victory was. This is why they were rich. He said, I know your trials. I'm mindful of them. He said, see, you're always pushed out in the catacombs. This was the conditions of the church. Now watch this. See, this condition of poverty put them in a spiritual attitude. And this is why, though they were in poverty and in tribulation, they were rich. He said, now, I'm going to read this to you. I know that you have to meet on the corner, down in the alley, down in the catacombs, go underground. He said, but you are rich through your tribulations. Tell me any time persecution didn't strengthen the church. I know your tribulations. You've held on to me. Your tribulations are not hurting you. They are making you rich. You love the Lord. Listen to this. You can imagine being in the catacombs. I would love to never seen them. Going down through those subterranean tunnels, paintings of Christians, little fish, and stories of the Bible. Imagine little licks of fire singing down there in the belly of the earth at the risk of death. But yet, Down in the catacombs, this little rejected group, the king of glory knows them. I know your trials. I know who you are. I've seen your efforts. I've seen your sacrifice. And God comes down and the presence of the Lord in those catacombs as they're singing and worshiping and they are rich in God, rich in him, rich in his presence. While the churches are rich in earthly goods, they were bankrupt with God. But these little people sold everything that they might have him. That's why he said, I am your portion. Remember when Brother Brandon went to Oral Roberts, he said, I looked and I, I almost lost my breath at the magnitude of it. He said, I went outside. I was saying, Lord, I'm a hypocrite. Why couldn't you trust me? And a voice come from somewhere said, I am your portion. Yes, sir. 
He said, then Lord, I'll go with you. Let me say, take everything. Take my bank account. Let God be my portion. Let him come down in a group like this and heal our sick. Save our young people. Let the power of God fall on the audience. A people, give us a faith to believe the promises of God. You are rich in God. Rich in his presence. You love the Lord. You know, all the way through the Bible, persecution always strengthens the church. The devil tried to shut them up, but it only grows. Remember when Pharaoh was trying to kill off the children of Israel? They only grew. Every time the devil tried to stop the move of the spirit, it was like just fanning flames. It just grew bigger and bigger. The devil knows this. And Brother Branham said, now there's something within us. It's the living faith of God in his church. It's the fire that's burning, a light that's been lit by God. No breezes can blow it out. No cold spells in the church. There's no indifference among the people. No persecution of the world that can blow out the flame that God has lit. It's God's purpose that the torchlight of freedom will burn till the coming of the Lord. No powers can burn it out. Or they only make it brighter as they blow. It's been proven through the ages that persecution only strengthens the church. Amen. Here's another one, Jubilee, returning Jubilee. He said, now, Brother Lyle said out there, Sister Moore's father, how he told me in the early days they were persecuted and turned out. See, he was in a meeting somewhere where they forbid them to worship the Lord in the spirit. And the group of people come and shot through the windows with pistols and rifles. And that old sister standing on the floor with their hands praising while the windows was being riddled with bullets from rifles, the bullets struck her dress and fell on the floor without harming her. We need a back to the power of God. Persecution always gives strength to the church. We've had it too easy. We get slothful. We get to a place we don't want to move on when everything is handed to us. It takes sorrows and tears and sweat and prayer and faith and promise to move forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, a sick man will reach for a straw. A drowning man will reach for a rope. If we get into a place, many people don't believe in divine healing, it's because they didn't need divine healing. Brother Branham talked about a boy that was dying of polio. Brother Branham uh, went to, to the emergency room to talk to him. And he said, Brother Branham, what about my condition? Brother Branham just quoted the scriptures. By his stripes, you are healed. So that boy went home and began to testify to everyone. I am healed. I am healed. And he was crippled up as much as, as he ever was. And he caused a religious disturbance around the place. So a bunch of preachers gathered around, came to his home, and said, you are bringing reproach upon the very cause that you're speaking of. You're telling people you're healed, and look at you, you're crippled. Quit bringing reproach upon the Bible. He said, sir, he said, if you were sitting where I am sitting, you wouldn't rob me of the only hope that I have. By his stripes, 
I am healed. And the power of God struck him. And he come up out of that chair healed and well. It takes a lost man to appreciate salvation. It takes a sick man to appreciate healing. That's what makes faith move. It's an ash heap, it's crisis. It's trials and tribulations. That's what stirs our faith and pulsates our faith to reach out and take God at his word. When you have no other hope, when the, when the rope is broke and you have no other choice, no plan B. That's when you'll take God at his word. That's what will make you rich in faith. That's what will give you the victory. Hallelujah. God puts us on an ash heap just to reveal himself. It takes desperation. It takes faith in God's word. You love the Lord. I want to read this to you. Brother Brandon went down there into the catacombs. And he said, I was looking there how they let those saints out and they were crushed to pieces by lions. He said, my heart was moved. And I raised my hands to God. The gladiator said thumbs down on the Christians. But I'm saying hands up. God in triumph at the last days. That precious faith of the early church. That pure gold tried in the fire. How they would open up the pits in the great arena. And the bleachers as we call it great massive place. They would burn them to the stake. They would open the doors. Traps of hungry lions and tigers rushed forth on a praying bunch of Christians, dragged them from bone to bone. And the faith of those people stood firm. And in the midst of it all, the church groped mightily all the time. It didn't discourage church membership. Today we have McDonald's houses and coffee houses and entertainment in the church, and they're losing members all the time. But when the church was being dashed together to apart by lions and burn at the stake, that the church, they couldn't keep them out of church. Let me tell you, the greatest attraction to a true believer is the realities of God. It don't matter if they're burning Christians. If they see reality, the elect is coming as sure as the world. They saw reality when those people wouldn't bend, wouldn't break would commend their spirits, almighty God. Listen to this, Brother Branham said, after Constantine, come over and liberated them from the Roman persecution and united church and state together. And when they did, the church lost more ground in 10 years than it had gained through all the persecution. As soon as Constantine brought peace to the church, they lost ground. See, if there's anything that makes a Christian lazy, it's when they're on a flowery bed of ease. We don't have persecution enough. We don't have it hard enough. See, a man under pressure, that's what he is. When his real characteristics will show under pressure. Get him all riled up, stirred up, and you'll see the real man come out of him. If he's got temper, it'll show itself. If he's meek and gentle, it'll show itself. Put him under pressure once. And God puts all his children under test to see whether they have any flaws in them. He said back in the depression, he said there were prayer meetings going on everywhere. 
He said, but now you can't hardly find a prayer meeting. Why is that? When you're rejected, when you, have, you don't know where your next meal is coming from, when you know you can die for the Bible, today they might just sit there and gather dust. But if you believe it and really believe it and was threatened, you're going to have a revelation. You're going to be standing on that word with everything in you. When you're depending upon God for everything, then the church becomes spiritual. See, the early church didn't have buildings to fall back on or bank accounts to fall back on or a big church or mother churches or sister churches. They relied upon one thing. They relied upon the presence of God. Sometimes a woman will lose her husband and don't know how to live, a little widow woman, but she depends upon the presence of God. You'll find that woman to be a prayer woman or, or a little orphan boy or sometimes the trials and the tribulation bring us to the presence of God. Am I holding you too long? Can I go a little further? See, God will always make a way. He will supply our every need. He wants to be our shepherd. He said, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for thou art with me. That makes it worth every trial. Lord, long as you are with me in the valley, on the mountains, when I'm fighting the enemy, just be with us, Lord. Brother Brennan said, it's the greatest thing I ever knew in my life is living by faith of our Lord Jesus, knowing he loves me and blesses me. He said, I'd rather just take it day by day. I have no need of tomorrow. He'll provide for tomorrow. See, the servant of God must call upon God, must depend upon God. How many remember Brother Branham speaking of an old circuit preacher named Daddy Hay? You ever heard of Brother Branham speaking to him? He said he was an old circuit writer preacher. He actually dedicated Brother Branham as a baby. And he said the old man would just come through every maybe once a month. And he said he was a real godly saint. People made fun of him. But in any time anyone got in trouble, they called old Daddy Hay. Brother Branham said that they would not have money to pay the preacher up in those mountains. So they'd give him a pumpkin or give him some of the crops that they, had, they, they grew. And he said, one day, Daddy Hay come and Brother Branham's father and mother must have been in that meeting. Daddy Hay said, he said the whole place was burning up all the crops and they needed rain real bad. And he said, the old man said, anyone want to stay after church and pray that God will give rain for our crops? He said, my daddy, Brother Branham, cracked up and started crying. He said, Daddy went out to the horse, grabbed the saddle, and threw it under the porch because he knew it was going to rain. That's a drunkard, a man that didn't even serve God, had enough faith to know this old man has a hold of God. He said, Daddy, hey, got down on the altar and started praying. He said, within an hour, an old dark cloud was coming up over the hill, and God sent rain. When we depend upon God, when we rely upon God, we'll pray, we'll hold to him, we'll believe him. How many say, Lord, let me start now. Hallelujah. Humble people that trust God and believe God. 
The greatest supernatural meetings Brother Branham had was among illiterate. Greatest meetings Brother Branham had was people with bones through their noses, naked, waist up, could not read or write. But once they saw the presence of God, they recognized and the power of God could move among the simple people. Do you know, Brother Branham said, angels will visit the homes of those that rely upon God? I want an angel to come to my home. I know you do too, but we must rely upon him. Isn't it amazing that Jesus preached to the poor? That that was a sign of his coming, that he preached to the poor and the common people heard him gladly? Isn't it amazing he was born by peasant parents that didn't even have a proper offering to give at the temple but had to give a measly pigeon or something? But God making himself manifest among the simple, among people that could believe God and rely upon God. Do you know you were created to completely rely upon him? We weren't made to depend upon our bank accounts and the security of our 401Ks. We were designed and created to depend upon Almighty God. I believe that we'll be more blessed if we can step out in faith and believe to call on God for what we need. How many want to depend upon God? Depend on thus saith the Lord. My brethren, James 1, 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. See your attitude? Knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience and let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire and wanting nothing. See, Brother Branham said faithfulness and patience go together. In fact, patience is the outcome of faithfulness. There is absolutely no other way to gain patience. It has to come by the trial of our faith. How many need patience? The only way you get it is by trials. God's will for us is perfection. And that perfection is patience, waiting for God. This is the process of character development. How highly God commended these saints in the dark ages as patient lambs led to the slaughter. Lovingly, faithfully, they served God. That is all they wanted out of life is to serve the Lord. And he said, I know your works and your last to be more than the first. He said, as the darkness of the ages increased, they worked harder to serve him and their faith increased. As the devil tried to squelch the fire out, it actually grew greater and they worked harder and they produced more. What a lesson this is. Do you love the Lord? See, Brother Branham said the key to this age, the Smyrna age, is tribulation. And he said, then it was worse in the second age. He said, I know your tribulations. I'm not unmindful of your suffering. How can God just sit back and watch the people suffer? They thought that the love of God meant no suffering. But as you know, Brother Branham said that God's love to us is elective love. He said, see, Job said he would put strength in us. 
Jesus learned obedience by the things that he suffered. He actually was made perfect by the things that he suffered. In plain language, the very character of Jesus was perfected by suffering. And according to Paul, he has left to the church a measure of suffering that they too, their faith in God while suffering, will come to a place of perfection. You love the Lord. See, unless we suffer with him, we cannot reign with him. You have to suffer to reign. The reason for this is character is simply never made without suffering. Character is a victory, not a gift. A man without character can't reign because power apart from character is satanic. But power with character is fit to rule. And since he wants us to share even his throne on the same basis that he overcame and has sat down in his father's throne, then we have to overcome to sit with him. The little temporary sufferings we go through is not worthy to be compared to the tremendous glory that will be revealed in us when he comes. Oh, what treasures are laid for those who are willing to enter into his kingdom through much tribulation. Think it not strange concerning fiery trials that is to try you. Is it strange that God wants to develop Christ-like character that comes through suffering? No. We all have sufferings. We all have trials. We're all tried and chastened as sons. Not one goes but through that. The church that is not suffering is not being tried, hasn't got it. It isn't of God. This special condition in Smyrna must be applied to every age. There's no age free from it. There's no true believer free from it. This is of God. This is the will of God. This is needful. We need the Lord to teach us the truth that we are to suffer and be Christ-like in doing it. Don't let it go here. Let it go here. And say, amen, Lord. Because if that brings me to a place of personal relationship and fellowship with God, that's right where we want to be. If it can get our attention to set our affections where they need to be, then, Lord, let the storms rage. Let the death, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living God. Do you know Laodicea is the worst of all ages? Brother Branham said it. He said, now listen closely. God rebuked this ungodly church more than any of the other churches. He said the rest of them were tormented and poverty stricken and wandered around in sheepskins and burnt to death and fed to lions. He said, but he rebuked this church because they said, I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, I have need of nothing. He said, what happened is when the church got in this mental attitude, it went into spiritual amnesia. Direct quote. He said, now, what made us so rich? He said, we get to the place like Israel was. When it was poor, it had to trust God for everything. And it trusted God, and God was with it, and it was spiritual, and it moved on. But when it got rich, it built its cities up. The women became immoral. The preachers let down the bar. And what happened, they forgot where the blessing was coming from. Many of us often think of Polycarp and 
how they were burned at the stake, stuck coals in their mouth and fled. How did they withstand it? Brother Branham said the same faith that upheld the polycarps is the same faith that causes you to stand victorious on this word every day. Let me tell you, the faith is in you. There's enough faith on the inside of you to speak a world into existence and go live on it. There's enough faith on the inside of you to raise you up from the grave. It lays in you. But you know what the trials and temptations of this age is? Every age has got them. Brother Branham said, the age, all the ages had their pressures. The burden of the last age is the pressure of riches, soft living, nervous tension, soft living. He said, everyone is overcome by impatience and haste. He said, now how could this age, with more convenience than any other age, have any desire for anything? How could we desire any more? Imagine I've seen it in Uganda. I've seen where children walk miles down steep hills, get water out of a muddy, we, would, we wouldn't even swim in it. And they'd put water on top of their heads, walk uphill for miles to pack a bucket of water to their house. And we've got the conveniences that we need. We got, how could we desire anything more? We have easier ways to do our laundry. I mean, we, I mean, we're sitting there tapping our fingers when the microwave ain't going fast enough. But Brother Branham said, you would think where we have more abundance, an age of plenty, an age of opportunity. He said, but yet there's more mental illness in this age than any other age. Suddenly, people are unhappy and they take sedatives and pet pills and, and power drinks and they're doing every kind of entertainment to fill the dark void that is in their soul. They are empty. Men's hearts are failing for fear and they live under move, move, move and they don't know where they're going. He said this age is actually an object of pity. Hearts have grown cold. He said, because the love of material things and the love of self has taken place of the true love of God and how we must guard ourselves. Right. It become an age of nervous tension, of soft living. And Jesus said, shall I find faith when I return? Because it's the trial of our faith that produces the gold of God. But now in this age, in a soft age, in a nervous age, in an age that has everything, there is a lack of faith. And the final counsel to the seven church ages was God said, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. There's one thing that can separate true gold from imitation gold, and that's the fire. See, the gold of God can actually take the fire, but the counterfeit can't. There's a true relationship with God, and there's imaginary deceiving intellectual relationship. God is speaking to an age that will take on the mark of the beast. It's a church that says we have need of nothing. We have more churches on every corner. We have an abundance. We have more Bible software. We have more ability to evangelize the world. 
We have everything anyone could possibly imagine. Transport. Just two days ago, this man's in Africa, that man's in, in uh, Japan. We have more ability to evangelize the world than ever before, and yet less is getting done. And so the church's uh, estimate of itself is I am rich. I am increased with goods. I have need of nothing. But doesn't know it's spiritually bankrupt. It says I'm rich and God says you have nothing. They're heading for the judgment. And then he says, the counsel of God, I counsel you to buy of me. Showing that the one hope that they have is in him. Buy of me gold tried in the fire. He said the earthly church or the worldly church was rich with the gold that warped and twisted human character. But there is a gold of God. The trial of your faith being more precious than gold. The gold of God is Christ-like character produced in the fiery furnace of affliction. That's the right kind of gold. God is saying, come to me before it's too late. Brother Branham said, now naked came we into the world, but naked spiritually we will not leave. We are going to take something with us. And what is that thing that we'll take with us? He said, nothing less and nothing more. He said, what will we take? We will take our character, brother. And what kind of character will you take? Will it be like his whose character was molded by suffering in the fiery furnace of affliction or will it be the softness of the characterlessness of Laodicean people? He said, buy of me gold tried in the fire. In other words, he was saying, Buy of me the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Buy of me the character of God that you can only get through the furnace of affliction. Amen. Brother Branham said back in the day the old Indians would take the gold and they would begin to beat that gold and turn it. And beat that gold and turn it. And put it through the fire and beat that gold. He said, what was it doing? It was beating all the sludge out of it. It was beating all the unbelief out of it, all the humanity. He said, how long did they beat it? They beat it until they saw their own reflection in it. And that's exactly what God does. Your trials ain't to destroy you. He wasn't trying to destroy Job because Job said, after he's through with me, I'll be like gold. But God was turning Job over and beating on him until he saw his own faith in Job. You know why you go through trials and tribulations? God wants to see himself. Amen. He wants to see an overcomer on the inside. How many say, Lord, I want you to see your reflection in me. Amen. Brother Branham said persecutions and trials are a normal part of Christian life. Can I hold you just a few more minutes? Amen. Brother Tim, as he was preaching Sunday, was talking about Israel, how when they went to the concentration camps, he said that they, they just walked onto the trains. They just put the yellow star on and they just fell in line. And when they got on the trains and were passive, they took them right to their death. Right, right. He said, but after the Holocaust, they determined in their hearts, we will never repeat a Holocaust again. Right. Over our dead bodies, we will fight to the last breath. Right. 
We will fight. And it's amazing because God's children have a fighting spirit. All the way back to Israel who fought God and were all night long. And the promised land people like Caleb. Caleb had a different spirit. The others were scared and cowards. But Caleb said, we are more than able to take this land. Whether there be giants or trials or tribulations. We are, we are able to whip any devil that stands before God and his promise. Caleb was a type of those that stayed true to Joshua. A type of those that stayed true to the word of God in this day. Brother Branham said it ain't the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight that's in the dog. He said it ain't how big you are. It's how big God that lives in your heart is. It's how big Christ in you is. It was just like Samson. He didn't have much muscle. He didn't have much physique. And he's walking down to see his girlfriend. He runs into a lion. He looked like a little shrimp, a little sissy boy. But once the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him, he ripped that lion to pieces. It wasn't the size of the dog in the fight. It was the size of God in Samson. We need a little fight about us. We need a little fighting spirit in us. Just like Nehemiah, when they were building the walls, they had to have a sword in one hand and a hammer in the other. We are doing the work of the Lord, and it don't come easy. But we need a little gumption about us, a little faith about us, a little fight about us. We are to, without us, they are not made perfect. We need an anointed people that is anointed with God, that is led by the Spirit of God. The Lord is our shepherd. I shall not want. He leads us beside still waters. He, he, the Bible said, he anoints me in the presence of my enemies. Samson, though he could never have ripped a lion apart, once the anointing come upon him, God anointed Samson in the presence of his enemies. Hallelujah. You may be going through trials, but you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let God anoint you and watch the devils run like cockroaches. When you turn on the light, a light must be in a dark place. That's exactly right. God has given us the greatest light the world has ever seen. It wasn't meant to be in a place of easy. It was put right in the darkest age, in the most deceptive age. And God wants you to shine, young people. God wants you to shine, sisters. He will anoint you in the presence of our enemies. He will anoint you in the face of the world council of churches. How many say, Lord, anoint me? I got trials. I've got enemies that need whipped. Anoint me in the presence of my enemies. Make me victorious. God anointed Job in the presence of the devil that was trying to make him curse God. That's what wins the battle. You love the Lord. Listen to this. And I'm going to be bringing this to a close. Coming out of I know Jeffersonville. Why does God let troubles come? God harnesses troubles. He puts bits in its mouth. And makes it obey him. And those troubles bring us into closer fellowship with God. 
There had been no rainbow until the flood came. But after Noah was pressed into that condition that he was in to float 40 days and nights in a storm, little ark pitching through the water, it was after the flood was over, he saw the rainbow for the first time, the covenant of hope, the covenant of promise. After he went through the tribulation, when he saw the promise, that's the way you see the promise after you've gone through the tribulation. Must I be carried home to heaven on a flowery bed of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? We ask for comfort and peace. And God gives us the best he could give us. Trials and tribulations. That's better than comfort and peace. Because our comfort is just beyond the river. Do you believe that? As I'm closing, Brother Bantam told a story about a little widow. Her husband, I think, died in war. There was a famine in the land in the time of Israel. Elijah was up at the brook of Cedrath, and he'd already called judgment upon the nation. There was no revival nowhere. There was a famine for hearing the word of God. It was just, it was just judgment upon the land. Cows out in the fields were fallen. There were skeletons. Skies were brass. People were starving. Babies were crying. Brother Branham said there was a little widow woman that was faithful to God. And as she was watching the barrel of the meal get lower and lower, and she gets to praying more sincere every, every time she makes a meal, he gets lower. She's, God, you've got to do something. God, please, you've got to do something. And she's watching it get lower and lower, and God is silent. And the screams are getting louder outside. Pretty soon, she starts trying to ration out the little bit that she has. She's calling out to God. She's real sincere. And that's what God wants. We get sincere when we get in trouble. And she's getting down there and scraping. Pretty soon, she knows there's one left. I have prayed for the last month. I have been as sincere as possible. It's like God don't hear me. The land is under judgment. The people, they're losing their children next to me, doors next to me. Thieves are breaking in. It's bad. The situation is bad. I don't have a means of getting oil. I don't have a means of feeding my child. Let me tell you, there's nothing like a, like a parent's love for a child. And so that morning, she goes out and she picks up sticks. You know the story. Brother Branham said she cried out to God and God would not answer. And he said, that's when you must be certain of God. When you're caught in, we're caught in this place. We're caught in Satan's Eden. We're caught with sodomites ruling this nation. We're caught in, in the political systems falling apart. The educational systems falling apart. We are caught in this immoral society. A famine is in the land and we're living here and crying out to God. He said, that's when you must be certain that he is God. And as she was coming down to the end of the road, she was crying out. Brother Branham said her son was crying all night. Mom, I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. Mom, will you give me something to eat? And she tries to hush him. He goes to sleep. It buys her a little bit more time. 
and she's praying and she's in her little nightgown. She's bones, her baby's bones. She's saying, dear God, you're tearing my heart apart. She looks in that barrel. You know how it is. You open the fridge, nothing's in there and then you're back looking in there again. She might have went back to that barrel five, six times just hoping she missed something. She's crying out to God and God will not hear. Brother Branham said, you must be. That's when faith must be certain. God will push you to the max. What he's doing, he's about ready to reveal to her that he is a God of miracles. He is the supplier of all our needs. He is a God that knows all of our trials and tribulations. The same God that told those people in the catacombs, I know your trials, is the same God that appeared on the scene for that little widow woman. All of a sudden, a message from Elijah came forth. Thus saith the Lord, your barrel will not go empty. Hallelujah, and the cruise will not go dry. When she walked up there, she had to believe the message that you will never go hungry even though you're living in a land of famine. I am here. You just take a step of faith. Put your faith to action. Quit living by fear and put your faith to action. I imagine she running there, coming out from outside into a dark place. She's sitting there, sounds just as just as hollow as it ever did, just as light, she reaches down, but this time her cup catches something. What was it? The creator that spoke squirrels into existence. Put a barrel of meal, put meal there to sustain her. She made them bread cakes. I imagine they were singing, they were shouting, probably the best cake she ever made. Mama, can I have another one? She goes over there, she reaches down into an empty barrel, scrape, and she feels something catch. God, whose eye is on the sparrow. God, who feeds everything upon the earth. He knows what you need. He knows your bills. He knows your worries. Why don't you, by faith, reach into that barrel and let God provide your needs? You need a job. Why don't you reach down into the promises of God? Reach down into the word of God and feel your cup catch something. Right in this service, you need healing. Why don't you reach down into the word of God and catch hold of God that heals you, God that provides for you, God that sustains you. Why don't you reach down by faith Lord, I need a little joy. I haven't had revival in a long time. I'm reaching down into the Word. God will put a revival there. God will put joy in your heart. God will put healing in your soul. So God, I need reality. I think we all need reality. All of us can reach down into the promises of God. Same one. Spoke flies into existence. Same one that gave Hattie Wright her children. Same one that spoke squirrels into existence. He is the same God tonight. Yes, your faith will be tried. But why don't you be certain that he is? Are you certain that he's God? Are you certain this message is true? Are you certain that God loves you and cares for you? 
Are you certain these promises are yours? They are yea and amen. Are you certain God knows your name? I know. I know. I know all your trials. I know all your woes and problems. But he wants us to take his word. How many say, Lord, I have a need. I'm going to reach down. We don't have to have an altar call. You reach down right where you are. Reach down into the promise of God. And I know you know. But you put me on this ash heap to bring me close to you. Lord, take that bridle and put it in the devil's jaws. And let this trial bring me into your presence. That I might know you as a provider, as a healer, as a supplier, as a joy giver, as a revival giver. That you might pull me into the reality of God. The devil is only a tool to pull you into a real living faith. Do you have a need tonight? Let us stand to our feet as musicians come. I have a father, he knows, he knows my name. Just to 
If you've got a burden on your heart, something that you've been praying about, and just in the presence of God, if you just want to lift that burden, that need before Him as we stand in His presence, that's what we're depending on tonight is the presence of the Lord. Heavenly Father, as we took a walk through the Scriptures, See, Lord, how valuable our trials are. How the devil has tried to stop this gospel momentum. How he tried to hush the voice of truth, but it only spread the fire across the earth. And dear Lord, the torchlight of freedom has fallen into our hands. How the devil's tried to discourage us over the years, but we're still standing by your keeping power. And Lord, somehow our faith rises to the occasion. Though many dangerous toils and snares we have already come. And Lord, you have sustained us. You have provided for us. You have encouraged us and blessed us along the way. We lift our needs to you, Lord. Somewhere, Lord, we might have lost our revival. Or, Lord, we might have a need a touch from you. We raise our hands. And you know every bit of it. And we know, Lord, you're inviting us to believe. I pray, dear God, that these trials will be turned into pure gold, Lord. Lord, these trials aren't hurting us. They're only drawing us closer to you. Bless each and every one, man, woman, and child. I pray, dear God, that the blessing of God would burn in our hearts. And may we go home, Lord. May your angels go with us. May we rise tomorrow with a fresh zeal in our hearts and a fresh faith and a fresh passion. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll bless every soul within the sound of my voice, Lord, even out in the streaming land. Lord, go out to those that may be sick and infirmed. May the angels of God visit homes. We have forsaken everything that we might cleave to this glorious truth. Help us, dear Lord, 
never to be ashamed. But Lord, take off the gloves and stand on the front lines and scream, we know whom we have believed. Bless the hearts of your people. Fill our hearts full of fire. I pray, Lord, if there be any backslidden, Lord, that they'll be restored. Any sick, that they'll be healed. Any weary, Lord, they'll be strong. May the weak say they're strong, Lord. Lift us up. We love you and we thank you for this time together. Thank you for blessing our hearts. We love you with everything in us. We commit this service now to you, this evening to you, the souls of your people. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. God bless you, saints. Is Brother Mike around here? So there he is. If we just invite him to come. We love you with the love of the Lord. God bless you. Purify my heart. Let it be as gold and precious silver purify my heart. Let me be.